this is Tom Satino from the Member Relations Group at the Federal Home Loan Bank of New York. And I'm here with the head of LIBOR Transition, Ray Shinazuka. Good morning, Ray. Hey, Tom. Today's podcast is number four in the series of six regarding LIBOR Transition. Today, we're going to be talking about the fallback after LIBOR. So, Ray, uh, we hear a lot of um, discussion about fallback rates. What is that exactly? Can you shed some light on that? Yeah. The fallback really, it covers a very fundamental question, which is, I got these LIBOR instruments, these floating rate LIBOR securities, ARMS, whatever, they extend past 2021. And the question is, what happens? How do I calculate the interest after that? And the answer to that is you replace LIBOR with SOFR plus a spread adjustment. And that is known as uh, a fallback. So when LIBOR is unavailable, you fall back to uh, an alternative. And if you follow this discussion, there's two pieces of it. One is with regard to new transactions. So I'm still doing, say, LIBOR lending or you're doing LIBOR lending, is you want to make sure that the fallback language, the appropriate fallback language exists in your contracts, your prospectuses, offering documents so that it's very clear what happens at that date. So that's there's been a tremendous amount of work that various organizations have uh, put into place. So Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the International Swap Dealers or Derivatives Association, they have led the charge in uh, 2018. Uh, They have been working with the market participants. They have uh, fairly recently really, I think, nailed it down. They've, They've agreed on the method of how they're going to convert your LIBOR. If you have a contract that's LIBOR plus 10, mm-hmm. they can tell you exactly how you're going to convert that to SOFR plus something else and, you know, generally capture the economics that uh, existed prior. And I think we're going to see the very final version of that come out quarter one, uh, first half year at the latest. What about legacy transactions, Ray? I mean, there, there's uh, hundreds of trillions of dollars outstanding. And I just want to see if you could um, shed some light on what uh, the industry is going to do. That is the $200 trillion question. Um, mm-hmm. It was the first problem that folks needed to be able to deal with. As I mentioned, in derivatives, the ISDA, the Swap and Derivatives Association, they have a real good handle on that. Now, that's good for everybody because that's 95% of the market. So that's the big chunk. I think everyone's pretty optimistic that that's, uh, that's moving well. In terms of other Instrument classes or asset classes, you've got loans. Those are typically lender contracts. Typically, lenders have uh, the ability, the discretion to uh, alter that. Bonds and securitized products, there's prospectuses and offering circulars that uh, govern how LIBOR will fall back. So they've been actually putting fallback language in. For uh, looking through it myself, I've seen it back 20 25 years, they've uh, certainly been thinking about it. But one of the things they, they didn't really contemplate was a permanent cessation. They always sort of thought it might stop for a day or two. So uh, that is currently for, for example, Fannie and Freddie, they've done a good job. They've actually brought it all the way up to uh, the ARC recommendations, which actually I didn't have a chance to talk about. But parallel with the Swaps and Derivatives Association, the ARC has also been putting together 
the uh, recommendations for cash products, so floating rate notes, syndicated loans, bilateral, securitization, and residential arms. So they did all of that work in, uh, in 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, we're actually seeing adoption of that. So uh, I know that uh, our debt, the home loan bank debt, does follow the uh, ARC recommendations. And I know that uh, Fannie and Freddie, if you buy uh, one of their recent securitizations, a floater off of residential collateral, that will also fall back using the ARC principles. Okay, just to define ARC, Alternative Reference Rate Committee. That's correct. Yes, that's part of the Fed. And the last part I'm talking about, the securitized piece, is uh, in some ways very challenging because uh, typically... To revise those, you actually need 100% of bondholders to agree, and that's uh, that's a very challenging thing to get. So one of the interesting things the uh, ARC is doing is that they're, they have been pursuing a legislative solution for security so that lenders and borrowers can sort of find a common ground and move forward with uh, principles that make sense. Because, for example, a lot of these things, if they fell back, they would fall back to the last print of LIBOR. That would become a fixed rate. And Mm -hmm. I think most people would argue that's not what anybody contemplated. So can we get to a better place? So uh, there there is work going on there as well. Interesting. Well, thank you, Ray. I appreciate it. Uh, That was podcast number four. Please stay tuned for podcast number five. That's titled LIBOR. It's not just your balance sheet. So uh, again, thank you, Ray. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. 